Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor of Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. God's called you to live right now at this time for this expressed purpose. How are you living out your time? Time, talent, treasure. God's given you treasure. God's allowed you to have that home where you live. That car that you own, that bank account didn't, you know, we like to say, well, I'm a self-made man. Really? Wait till God removes your health or something. Then you find out you're not so self-made. It's by God's gifting that we have what we have. How are we using that to further and build the kingdom? Let me give you a few examples of how you can serve. Taking time out of a busy day to meet with someone, to disciple them and encourage them is spending what? Your time. It's a sacrifice of time to do that. Our children and our youth leaders here that pour into our kids, the next generation below us, so that they might be raised up in the admonition of the word. They're spending their time, but they're also spending their talent, their gifts. They're gifted to do that. And so they're carrying that out. And it requires a sacrifice of time and talent. And the people that, that give to the work of the Lord here, I tell you, this is the most giving church I've ever been to. You guys are amazing on every level. I mean, you know, it's easy to say, yeah, you give money. And, and that's, yeah, yes, that, that's important. The treasure part of that is important. But I'm telling you, there are people here sharing their homes. There are people here sharing their cars. There are people here that are helping others that are sick right now and can't get to the grocery store. There are people that, that are using what God has given entrusted to them to use a portion of it to help others around them that are suffering right now. We're responsible for how we handle all three areas of our sacrificial giving. I could go on, but I think you get the picture. Serving Jesus requires a sacrifice to some extent or it's not real service. And you servants serving the Lord, remember that serving God will have moments of sacrificial giving on your part, or it's not real service. Sacrificial service, by definition, must cost you something. Listen, my friends, Jesus is coming back very soon. The time to serve him is right now. Listen, the time, talent, and treasure, the service... You know, you can't do that once you get to heaven. It's all believers up there, and God's got an amazing thing after this life. But right now, he's told us to do these things. And you don't want him to call you home without having done what he's told you to do. I sure don't. Not out of fear, but I just don't want to disappoint him. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. All right. I don't want to show up and, you know... As an also ran, uh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, you you received um, my, my grace. Come on into heaven, welcome. No, I I don't want to do that. I want to show up, and I say this probably too often. I want to show up like that guy that played, right? The football player. We played football in high school. The worst thing that could happen is you go home on the bus and your uniform is pristine. There's no you know dents in your helmet. There's no scratches anywhere on you. No, the cool guys had blood running down their arms and their helmets are all messed up. They're dirty. They had mud, you know. That was, that's, I want to go home like that. 
I want to go home having left everything I could do on this planet before I met Christ. And I know you do too, or you wouldn't be here. The time to make investments in heaven is right now, right now. Sometimes I'm asked how a person here at RCC can serve. Okay, I get it, Pastor. I'm supposed to serve. You say I'm supposed to use my, my, my gifts. How do I do this? Well, let me tell you. Next Sunday at 9 a.m., we're doing what's called Shop Talk. Now, a lot of you have been to Shop Talk, but here's what, if you haven't been, here's what it is. Shop Talk is where you learn about how the church got planted, how, how God put in the hearts of people to rise up, raise up a church, where we are right now, and where we believe God is leading us in the near future. You're going to hear all of that. And then after that, you're going to have the opportunity to take the gifts test. And you'll do that on your own, and then um, someone will call you, and you'll be able to understand what it is. Well, I'm, I have, I'm really strong in these two, and I'm kind of strong in this one, but I'm not so strong in the rest of them. Okay, so you're gifted in these three. Here they are, and someone will explain how you use those gifts to glorify God. So no more, can, you know, we're not to live in ignorance, right? We're not to be babies drinking milk all the way to heaven. No, we're to, Paul says, hey, you got to start eating meat. you got to start growing up and being who God's called you to be so that you can help others become who they are. So that's a plug for shop talk. I better not go down that road any further. I'll make a U-turn and come back to our lesson. Today we're looking at three biblical mandates on serving during these final days. Mandate number one, serve Jesus sacrificially. And mandate number two, serve Jesus purposefully. The purpose of every believer since the cross of Christ has been the same, to know God and to make him known. So how do we do that? Well, first we have to know God. You you can't impart what you don't possess. So I have to know God for myself. And and in so doing, I, I get to receive the gift of the gospel, of salvation. But then after that, I also want to know God. I want to know who he is. I want to know what he wants from me. I want, him to, I want to know how I can please him and honor him and serve him. So I want to know God. But then I want to make him known. I want to go outside and start telling other people, hey, this is what God's done for me. Jesus Christ saved me. I want to be able to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love like the the old song says, I want to have done what he wants me to do, so I want to be out doing it. Not just talking about it, but doing it. Simply put, our purpose is to spread the gospel, the good news to others around us. Paul writes in verse 25 through 27, look down at, at your Bibles, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you. Now, what was that stewardship? His stewardship was to be a teacher, to be a preacher, to go around and tell people the good news. But it was also to reveal many things that the the Jews and the Gentiles didn't understand or know. He says, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you, to fulfill the word of God, the mystery of which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Well, what are these mysteries? I love a good mystery. Man, well, I got to find out about these. Let's talk about these mysteries. What mysteries was Paul talking about? 
Well, here are three that I found from, from the Old Testament. The mystery, uh, letter A, the mystery of the Messiah. The Savior that would come one day. Now, the Jews have no, always known that one day a Messiah, a Savior, would come. Now, they thought he would come to conquer the world with a sword and, and that he would you know, uh, slay all their enemies and that the Jews would finally be left alone. They'd been, you know, they'd been taken into captivity so many times, and now the Romans are here. They thought that their Savior was going to come with a sword. He didn't. He came with a cross and a greater purpose. So the mystery of the Messiah was revealed, and Paul was revealing this mystery. Here's mystery two, letter B, the mystery of the Gentiles. How are the Gentiles going to be saved? They knew they would be saved, but no one knew how. They didn't understand the concept of a suffering Savior coming. You see, back then, if you wanted to be one of God's people, you had to become a Jew. And to become a Jew, you had to go through all the ceremonies, the cleansing, the rituals. You had to come under the law. You had to be trained. You had to be raised up. You couldn't live within uh, the Jewish uh, confines. You had to live outside of town because you were still, you know, dirty. You were one of those Gentiles. But as you went through this, this, um, this, this class, basically, to become a Jew, then finally you could come inside. But you were never the same as a real blood-born Jew. You were always grafted in. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus came. And everything got turned upside down in their world, but it became right side up in reality. Jesus died on a cross for who? The world. God so loved the world. He's always wanted to save the world. And so... Now, all of us have the opportunity to become children of God with every right, with every inheritance that uh, the Jews have always had. Amen? So how would they be saved? Well, Paul answers that question. It's Jesus on a cross. That's how they got saved. And then the, the, the third mystery, letter C, the mystery of the church which is Christ's body coming together uh, where there would be no preference in nationality or race. Paul said there was no difference between Jew and Gentile. There would be no preference between man and woman. All believers are on the same playing field. They're all on level ground together at the foot of the cross, everyone's level. Jesus was sent in the world to save the world from its sin. And through Jesus, Jew and Gentile can now be reconciled to God and experience the full inheritance from him, all the fullness and all the riches that he has are now ours. Verse 27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, when Christ died on a cross, he died for the sins of all, including the Gentiles. And so when we receive his forgiveness, when we receive that gift of salvation, Christ is in us. And he's our hope. He's the hope of glory, not only now, but in the days, in the, in the eons that will pass in heaven. He will always be our hope of glory. And now we receive the full inheritance from him, all the fullness and the riches of our Father. Where once God only revealed himself fully to the Jews, God had chosen now the Gentiles to receive the fullness as well. And Paul was doing that. That was his mission, not to go to the Jews necessarily. He went out and told all the Gentiles the good news. 
And this didn't make him a very popular person. Simply put, if you were not born a Jew, you are by default a Gentile. Now, I took one of those tests where you, you, know, you rub that swab in your mouth and you mail it back and they tell you your um, heritage, you know. And I confirmed um, what I already had been told, you know, Scottish, Irish, German, and 1% Jew. And I went, yes. <laughs> hey, I'm claiming it. It's 1%. I'm going to take it. <laughs> But the glorious hope that was only made available to the Jews was now available to all man and woman and children. Through Christ's life and death and resurrection, mystery solved. This is how he was going to do it and did it. The glorious hope that was now only made available to the Jews was made to all. Christ is now in us and we are in Christ. This is the hope of glory, the glory that is God's precious gift, that he wants all to come into salvation. He doesn't want one person to perish. You know, hell was not made for mankind. No, hell was made for Satan and his demons for their disobedience. God never wanted a single man or woman or child to ever end up in a place that he created for Satan and his demons. People often say, how can you believe in a God that sends people to hell? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know where you got that information. God does not send anyone to hell. They can choose to go to hell on their own volition. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force people to believe in him and to trust him. But if you want to go there, he'll let you go there. But that's not the desire of his heart is not that. His desire is that all would be saved. So what do we do with this hope that we now have? We, like Paul, are called to preach the good news that, that is Christ. Now, we may not be all called to be preachers like Paul or teachers like Paul, but we all preach. Understand that. We all preach. We've all been set free. We've all, all our sin has been expunged. That's a judicial term. If you're an attorney, a judge, even maybe a cop, you, you, you could go to court and see where at times people would go and request, hey, when I was, when I was 21, I was dumb and, and I did some things I wish I hadn't. And I want to apply for an expungement of, of that guilt that I was found guilty of, that, that crime. And, and so you fill out all this paperwork, and your attorney explains it to the judge, and the judge reviews, and it, yeah, you've been good for all these you know, years since then, and then it's his decision to expunge it. And once it's expunged, you can't find it. It's sealed forever. So you go to the court and say, hey, do you remember Ben Harris when he was acting stupid? And they look and go, nope, we have no record of that. There's no record in heaven. If you've received forgiveness from God, your sin is expunged forever. And God says, I can't find it. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you keep bringing this up? Let's move forward. It's gone. <laughs> I buried that in the deepest sea. It's as, it's as far from the east as from the west, which is eternity between the two. Some of us needed to hear that this morning. But we all preach with our lives. If you're a Christian, you can't avoid preaching the Christ in you by the way you live your life. 
the decisions that you make, the level of sacrifice in your service, and by what you say versus what you do. We all preach with our lives. We can't avoid it. And people are watching to see if what we preach is how we live. Are we the genuine article? We're looking at three biblical mandates on serving during these final days. Mandate number one, serve Jesus sacrificially. Mandate number two, serve Jesus purposefully. And here's the the last one, mandate number three, serve Jesus practically. We're to serve God by serving others. Jesus said, you want to be the greatest? Be the greatest servant. You want to be the greatest of all here? Be the greatest servant of all. Jesus had turned down or turned upside down the, the, you know, the way things worked in this world was to get to the top. We, you know, we claw to get to the top of our field. We, we, want, to be, we want to have that office on the highest floor. We want to have that corner office with the windows. We want to have the biggest house in our development. We want to drive the Lamborghini around. We want to, we just want success. And Jesus says, actually, let me turn it right side up. You want to, you want to be the greatest? Then work your way down. It's not work your way up. Work your way down by serving others. And in so doing, serving God and the mission that he's given you. And you do that by helping others to grow. So, you know, if all we're doing is gaining knowledge here, what good is it? We gain knowledge so that we can gain wisdom, a heart of wisdom, so that we can go out and we can teach others, right? Paul says, you know, Find faithful men to impart these truths to so that they can teach others also. This is how Christianity has has flourished through the centuries. 20 now. 20 centuries of service, of, of Christianity growing and people coming to Christ. How does that happen? One man tells another. One woman tells another. And it just keeps going on and on. And we, what, what did Jesus say to do? He said, go make disciples. Okay. So now they're saved. Then what? Well, we baptize them. Okay, we took care of that last week, and we'll continue to do that. But what's number three? Now teach them everything that I've taught you. You teach that to them so that they'll be able to live a life that's honoring to God and be able to teach others to live a life that honors God. Verse 28 gives us some insight as how we can help others grow. Verse 28 Him, Jesus, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So how do we practically teach others to grow in Christ? Letter A, we give them Jesus. It's what we do here. Now, you're going to get an opportunity to worship together. You're going to have an opportunity to serve here, but all of this points back to Jesus. We give people Jesus. That's what we do here. It's him we preach. And so many times when life gets hard, we panic and we start, you know, running around in a panic. Listen, the world is going to give people that. That's not what we do. We give them Jesus. We give them hope beyond all this mess that's going on around us. We give them Jesus. 
Someone said that learning is more caught and less taught. People will remember what you do far more than what you say. And we cannot, we cannot give away what we don't have. So if we're going to teach others, we must begin by living it out and what we teach, and we teach Jesus. When people get saved in our church, they're saved by Jesus, not saved for programs or preaching or, or by preaching or by cool music. No, they're, they're saved by Jesus. We give them Jesus, and by Jesus, they're saved. Letter B, we warn one another. Verse 28, warning every man. Why do we warn them? Well, warnings can come in the positive, and they can come in the negative. We warn people away from a life of sin. We warn them away from what happens when you ignore the word. And we warn them too, just the opposite. A life of obedience, a life of studying the word, a life of service. That's what we warn them to. Letter C, we teach them in wisdom, teaching every man in all wisdom. This means that we are going to make sure that we not only impart knowledge, but we also impart teaching to people by applying those principles of Scripture in our lives. Now remember, wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. You might want to write that down. That, that's worth the price of, admin, uh, of admission today. Okay, here you go. Wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. You're not wise if, if you know everything but don't know how to apply it to your life. No, you want someone in your life that has wisdom, real wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge applied correctly. Now, I, I always have mentors in my life. Some of them have, have moved on to heaven. But I want a mentor in my life that I can call up and go, hey, I, this... I'm struggling with this, with this, you know, this Greek word. What is this? I can't. It means two things, and you know, and, and he can, and he'll tell me what it means, and he'll help me work through this, and gain and gain knowledge for myself. That's a wise counselor. You want to have a wise counselor, someone that, that knows what's true, and then knows how to apply it to reality. This warning and teaching always has one goal in mind, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This presentation happens at Christ's return, by the way, so that every person living or has lived in union with Christ would be complete, fully grown, and perfectly instructed in doctrine, in faith, and practice. Listen, the worst thing that any pastor could ever do is just to create a church for a bunch of toddlers that never grow up. What good is that? No, we want to take new people in Christ, new believers, and we want to mature them in their faith. We want to give them Jesus. We want to give them knowledge, and we want to give them a wisdom, and it all is surrounded by the Word. This is the goal of discipleship, to be trained in our faith. If you're here for very long, you're going to hear that word a lot. We disciple a lot. We now have 100 disciplers that have gone through the program and want to help disciple someone else. Listen, that's not the pastor's job. It's, a, it's, it's, it's that much of my job, and I have a couple of disciples. But I couldn't possibly do this, not and do everything else that God has called me to do. No, everyone should be a discipler of people. 
God didn't say, you pastors go disciple. He said, go make disciples. He was talking to everyone. That's your job too. So you've got to be trained up. You've got to have the knowledge that becomes wisdom so that you can sit down with this, you know, a person that just prayed to receive Christ that doesn't know anything and you can take them through this, stu- this course that we have and you can learn to teach and pass on wisdom of these 13 things that have been identified that Christ really wanted to push home to his disciples during his three years of ministry. You ought to be able to do that, he says. We shouldn't be sitting, we shouldn't be sitting on our couches watching TV waiting for heaven. It's not what God told us to do. The church has the goal of reaching people and then teaching people. So really, here's what it looks like. If you want to boil everything down, what is the church? Well, the church, we reach people for Christ. And then once they're saved, we baptize them. And then once they're baptized, then we teach them what Jesus taught us and what he taught in his word so that they then are ready to go out and teach others. It's been the plan that Jesus gave his disciples from day one. Go out and reach people, but then teach them as well. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.